So um, we're going to uh, announce a couple of things here before we start to preach. We've got coming up a couple of events that we need to uh, keep you aware of. And that is um, the 25th of this month, Sunday night, we'll be having a, I forget what you called it again, sing, night of worship is what we're calling it, night of worship. We don't like to say concert. That kind of brings a, an entertainment kind of a value to it. We're not here to entertain anybody but the Lord. And so we're going to have a night of uh, a night of music and testimony and and uh, maybe even some other things that, that they're planning. So it's going to be a good time. I know most of you already will be here just because you're here on Sunday nights. And But we're going to have visitors here. So I'll say this. If you want your seat where you usually sit, and everybody usually sits in the same place. Did you know that? I'm so keenly aware of that. You know, if I want to look, I, I know where everybody's at because you basically sit in the same place. If you want that seat on that Sunday night, you better come early. <laughs> All right. Amen. Today, no problem. We've got a lot of people gone today, but uh, uh, Lord bless you. And so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a really good time. And then secondly, coming on us, getting close to us now is our camp time. And uh, so I know you're making preparations for that. We're getting ready for the ministry part and all the uh, physical things that need to be done. And uh, so we're excited about it. We're looking for the Lord to just really, really touch. And, and two things. We're going to have a time of just rest and uh, just fellowship with each other. For three days, hopefully when we get back, we can still stand each other. But I think we can. I think we can. We've been, we've been at it for a lot of years, right? And so we're going to fellowship during that time. Again, it's the 4th. It begins on the Wednesday, uh, the 4th of August, 5th and 6th. And then we're coming home on Saturday and be in church on Sunday. That, that Sunday... Uh, Brother Skip will be with us. So that Sunday is the 7th, I think. No, couldn't be. 8th. So he'll be with us that Sunday morning. You don't want to miss that. And then he'll be speaking one of the nights of camp, too. So we're just going to have a really good time. Um, if you haven't signed up, please get signed up so we'll know how much food to take up. We're providing all of that, and so we need to know all of those things. And if you plan on going, uh, get a hold of Sister Carrie. And uh, if you don't have, the finances haven't worked out for you, still come and talk to us. We want all the body to be there, and if you want to be there, we want you there. So, amen. Looking forward to that, that great time in the Lord. You have your Bibles ready this morning. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord, preach out of His holy book some things that will edify and help and instruct and and just lead us on concerning our Lord and Savior. If you go with me to John, the ninth chapter, I've got a few places that I want to stop at and read just a verse. John, the ninth chapter, and the 24th verse. 
Then a second time they called the man who was blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. Give glory to God. We're going to move to Acts, the 12th chapter, and the 23rd verse. And instantly, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God. And having been eaten by worms, his soul went out of him. Wow. Now we'll go backward to the book of Luke, 17th chapter. And again, reading to verse 18, 17th chapter of Luke in verse 18. Were not any found returning to give glory to God except this stranger? Mm -hmm. You know I'm talking about giving glory to God this morning. In 2 Corinthians, the uh, fourth chapter and the sixth verse. And uh, because it is God who said, Out of darkness light will shine, who shone in our hearts to give the brightness of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person. Of Jesus Christ. A lot of times, most times, it's read in the face of Jesus Christ. Actually, the word here, prosopon, not only means the face, but the countenance, actually, the very visual person of Jesus Christ. Shown in our hearts to give the brightness of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we just come before you. We need an anointing that comes only from you, Lord. Not just the knowledge of having preached for years and, and depending on our own power and strength and understanding, Lord, but I pray this morning that you will step in, that you will anoint, that you will anoint the hearers, Lord, because we want to give God glory this morning. It's our, it's our part to praise you, honor you, and give you glory. So Lord, we ask your presence. We ask that you would just move us and help us touch our hearts. Lord, and school us this morning in your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God glory. It's something to the church that you've heard before. And so we'll encourage you again in it. Giving glory to God. I think we must understand first thing is where the glory goes to and how to attribute this said glory to God. Glory that's released in the atmosphere just to a God, some God, God somewhere is not direct enough. Glory needs to be attributed to a specific one. I'm a 
believer and always have been, and I use this, you know, you've heard me say this before many times, that if we just take the word God, in our money it says, in God we trust. That could be a lot of things. There's a lot of gods out there. There's a lot of religions out there. I know what those men meant when they said, in God we trust. But now if you look across our country, really God can be a lot of things and directed at a lot of different entities. The pastor of Saddleback Church, and some of you may know, we sent at one point, we sent some of our people down there to a children's conference and had some faith in what they were doing. But later on, the pastor set out on a quest to bring Islam and Christianity together at the same table. And the problem with that mess is that he used the premise that both religions worship the same God, but are just using different titles to his name. Now, I'm going to have an issue with that. I'm going to continue to have an issue with that because what God is and who God is is distinct. It's purposeful what we say, how we worship him, what we call him, what his name is. Glory has got to be attributed right. And I don't have anything to share at the table with Allah. I don't have any similarities between Christianity and Islam. There is no similarity. There is no points where we can come together and say this, we believe together. There's nothing. The word God in the Greek, if you've studied this, you know that the word God in Greek is theos. But the word theos to the Greek people, the Greek-speaking people, simply meant a deity. And when we call God, we're thinking of Almighty God. We, most of us, when we call God, we're thinking of Yahweh God. But to the Greek-speaking people and to the Greek text, there are times and inferences in the Scripture that talk about God that are not talking about the Almighty God. And so just using the word God or theos simply means deity. To only say God, you're referring to a presumptive deity. Whatever deity that is that you're worshiping, whatever you're calling upon, and the glory that you give is directed there by the name that you use, and it's more than just a name. Listen to this. The division of religion, religious orders, is not in the practice. That's not the division between religious orders. It's the definition of the deity that you worship. This is the difference in religious orders. This is why I can't sit this morning in a Jehovah Witness church, they might be nice people. They might have some good ideas, friendly, and call themselves Christian. I can't sit in a Mormon church this morning. They're very family. They have some good things about them. That's all good and nice, and, and, and they're good people. Some of them, I've met many of them, have many friends that were Mormon. But I can't sit with them because of the definition of their deity. The definition of my deity and the definition of their deity is not the same. And because of that, there's going to be a separation between us. 
It's not just in practice. There's many churches that do similar things that that may, even their services may be conducted the same. Even, even a lot of the things that they do as a church in the community might be the same. I've never been real good with meeting with the, the council of churches in, in town and, and we're going to come together and we're going to do some community good. Well, I've never been comfortable with that. I'm okay for doing community good, but the offense for me is that who I'm serving and who they're serving may not be the same. I'm not a brother. Don't call me a brother if we're not serving the same father. And so the definition of the name is really the separator for us. And that deity, by called by that name, those that follow that name or that deity, they also conduct themselves. That deity determines the action of its followers. So if you say that you are worshiping Baal, and Israel had a terrible time with this, that Baal, Baal was the god of the Canaanites. And when they got to the land of Canaan, the Canaanites were worshiping Baal because Baal was the one who had given them all good things that they had. Baal was the good God. He was the God that had supplied for them. He was the God that would bring in the rain. He was the God that would fight off the, 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 the terrible times for them and the, the storms. But he would bring the good things. And, and the land was fertile. And they gave that, that credit to Baal. But Baal called himself. Do you know what he called himself? He called himself the Lord of Lords and a king over lords. He put himself in the place of God. And so what Israel could do very easily was switch over from Yahweh to Baal because it was, it was the, in definition almost the same. And the practices were very similar. But soon they began to, to offer their children in the fire to Baal and Baal is not God and you can call him Baal and it seems like his name may be just as good as Yahweh but Baal, his worshipers act according to the definition of that deity he is not God he will not be God, he cannot be God and and so God raises up his prophets and says who's going to worship the real Lord God? Come on, get on this side with me and kills the prophets of Baal because Baal is not to be combined in any way with the worship of the Israelites. Ishtar, and uh, there's so many, but we can just take a few. Ishtar, who we get to know her about once a year. Long about April, Ishtar, goddess of fertility, but she was there in the Greek culture, in the Roman culture, and she was worshipped, and how was she worshipped? She was worshipped by immorality, and to worship her in her name, there is no connection with God at all. And they called her God. They called her the God of fertility and the God that would cause children to come forth, but really she was unclean. And to worship her, you worshiped her in uncleanness. I mean, Allah, let me talk about him for a minute. God of dominion, God that takes over, a warrior God. Allah is not a peaceful God. Allah will not bless your life. Allah is, Allah is there to conquer. He is there to murder. He's there for mayhem. And he's worshiped by murder and mayhem. I cannot connect the two with Yahweh 
who is the God of righteousness and the God of holiness and the God of purity and the God of all things good. Every perfect gift coming down from the Father Yahweh. His worshipers are compelled to pursue after him being transformed into his likeness. Not like the other gods of the world. Not like the gods of the Canaanites. Not like the gods of the Greeks and the Romans. But our God is the only righteous God and his entity is perfectness and righteousness and holiness and it will ever be that for his people. You can't give God glory in Baal worship. You can't give this God glory in immorality. You can't give him glory in conquest. But you give him glory in righteousness and holiness. Can the church say amen? What a wonderful God, Lord, and Savior he is to us. And so what is the proper procedure? To give God glory. I closed out last Sunday on a verse out of Philippians, the second chapter. And it says that God has given him a name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess, those in the earth those under the earth, those in the heavenly should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory. Now, I'm going to work on a little something here this morning that you probably may already know, but I said this at the end of the verse. If you read the end of that verse, it said, Jesus Christ is Lord is Lord. To the glory, or really it's the word into the glory of God the Father. And I said this, that this is the progenitor's glory. When we see Father, we're not looking at a title and a placement of God. That's not the description of Father here. The description of Father here is the one who fathered. It is the progenitor or the one who caused this to be birthed. And so the glory of God is that what God had planned in the earth came to pass. This is the glory of God. What God had purposed in Christ Jesus and, and the cross and redemption in the cross, this is the picture of the glory of God. So any declaration short of Jesus Christ is Lord God is short of the glory of God. I have an issue. I always have had people that try and get in another way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Let me, let me add to this. I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only life. If anyone tries to come in another way, they are a thief and a robber. No one comes proston 
patera outside of Jesus Christ. It is impossible for you to come to God outside of Jesus Christ. He is the glory of God. And if you come short of honoring Him, short of believing that He is Lord God, then you have come short of the glory of God. Romans, the fifth chapter, or third chapter, and 23rd verse said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I want to say in that, that it's not just a sin that keeps you out of God's favor. It's not just a sin that will keep you out of heaven. It's being short of the glory of God. Not understanding that God's glory is Jesus Christ. That God's glory in the earth is his manifestation in flesh. Come and dwell with us. That he alone, his name, he is the savior of all. And if you come short of that, you have come short of the glory of God. We've always used that verse to say everybody's a sinner and everybody's come short, but they have come short of believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. That'll fix your sin problem. Somebody say amen right there. Coming into an understanding and a believing, coming into Christ will fix your sin problem. You won't be walking with him and walking with sin at the same time. You'll either love one and hate the other or love the other. And hate. this is what Jesus said. You won't drink out of the cup of the Lord, out of the cup of devils too. You can't, as a Christian, feel right about sin. You can't feel like that it's going to be okay in your life because the Lord demands that his followers follow after being transformed, being renewed by the Spirit of God, being transformed from the fleshly man to that man who is in the stature of Christ Jesus our Lord, coming into, morphing into the stature of Jesus Christ. And that will not fit with sin in our life. Can the church say amen? So we read in this, this uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the knowledge of the glory of God. Even the knowledge of the glory of God. See, we got Moses way back saying, God, show me your glory. And God says to him, I will show you things past, but I cannot show you things. I will not show you my face. I won't show you my face. Moses won't live that long. He won't see it. They died having a promise of something they could not partake of. But looking back, Paul, and I believe probably Paul was there at that Sanhedrin somewhere where Jesus come in and they saw him, but Paul looked on his face and now can report to us in the second chapter of Corinthians. He says, the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face, in the person of Jesus Christ. 
You will get no knowledge of God outside the person of Jesus Christ. There is no glory of God. I'm just going to give God glory, and I'm going to go by Christ to do it. No, no, you don't understand. You have no knowledge of the glory of God. The glory of God is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And so when you see him and you see his face, then you begin to understand what the glory of God is all about. And they said, accused us of of preaching too much Christ in this place. All that Jesus-only stuff. Well, you know, I don't take that as a slam. I'm going to take that as a compliment. What was meant for a slam really is a compliment. We're not here to honor anyone but Jesus Christ. That's what we do as Christian believers. That's who we are. Who do you follow? What name do you have? What name do you call on? We only have just one name. What name were you saved under? There's only one salvation. There's only one name. There's only one Lord. There's only one spirit. There's only one unity of the faith. There's only one God and Father of everything. And his name has come to us. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. All the glory of God is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would say in conclusion of that, that no one can give glory to God outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. Awesome. I think denomination efforts and maybe Protestantism has spent a lot of time separating trying to get God into categories and separations and persons and things and modes and in all kinds of try, human understandings. It's just we're just trying to understand who God is. And so somebody says, man, I don't know how to worship. I don't know who to give glory to. Do I give glory to the Father? Do I give glory to the Son? Do I give glory to the Holy Spirit? I'm a little confused on, on how to do. Who do I pray to? Now, I've got some needs, and whom, how am I going to pray? I just don't know. I don't know if I, I pray to, to the Lord Jesus, and then he goes and prays to the Father, and then, I don't know, Mary might be mixed in there somewhere, but I just want to simplify it for you this morning, that there is no glory of God. There is no answer to prayer. There is no contact with God outside of the man Christ Jesus. He is, this morning, he still is the mediator of God and man. You don't go to another mediator. You don't go to somebody else who's going to go between. There is just one who mediates everything between humanity and deity, and his name is Christ Jesus the man. And so we preach him. We give glory to him this morning because he is Lord and he is Lord of all. Can you say amen? Say, so, well, we, we're, we're beating the same drum again. I love the drum, so I just keep playing it. Sister Debbie's been playing the piano up in here for 20-something years. Do you like the piano, Sister Debbie? You keep playing it, right? I found a drum, and I'm going to beat that drum, and it says, Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and so I'm going to beat it today, and then next week I'm going to come up here, and, 
And I, I'm going to beat it again. I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is Lord. You got a problem in your life. You got issues. You got family troubles. You got things that are going on. You can't. You can't seem to to get it over with. There's there's just stuff arising. And I'm going to tell you what your answer is this morning. It's not a counselor downtown, but it's a great and wonderful and mighty counselor this morning. His name is Jesus. And now what I'm going to do is just wrap it all up and say this: that God has given us an access of help, salvation. He's given us a way of eternal life, and every bit of it is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So why would I preach anything different other other than our dependence upon the Lord Jesus? Let's go to John 9 for a minute because there in the text we we read where it said the Jews. Let, let Let me just start with this story. Because this is a um, story of the blind man. And um, the whole chapter, John 9. This must have been of great impact for John to take a whole, well, it wasn't written in chapters, but this whole segment to talk. Now, I want to tell you something about John. Somebody a while back said, uh, I want to start reading the Bible. What should I read? I'm not the right one to ask that because I'm going to turn you to John every time. But the problem is, if you don't read John with, a, with an eye of revelation, then you're going to miss a whole lot of what's there. So, I mean, it's all absolutely great in, in all the gospel. But John, when he brings a story, it's because there's revelation in it. And he's always, you go through John and he's always pointing out the Lord and who he is. And so in this ninth chapter of John, Jesus passes by the way there in the first verse. And he saw a blind man who who had been blind from his birth. Probably, I don't know, I didn't see for sure whether he's in downtown Jerusalem or not. But I would say probably so. He's at least where the Pharisees are because the Pharisees are going to come into the play in this. And then a question comes up. um, Who has sinned here that this man is blind? And Jesus gives a, a really unique answer. He said he has not sinned nor his parents, but that the glory of God should come into play. We preached on this a while back, and I remember saying, how many of you would like to be blind from birth just so the glory of God could come by when you're about 40 years old? And it's like Tommy Barnett said, well, we love miracles. We just love miracles, but nobody wants to need one. And this man is blind from birth, He knows that it's Jesus. He knows the name of the man, but he doesn't know much about him. But then Jesus puts the the, uh, mud in his eyes. He spat on the ground and made mud. And I like it because John always reminds you of this, and it was the Sabbath. See, the Lord could have done it on the day before or the day after, but he chose the Sabbath. Because the glory of God is going to be seen. 
And so he puts the mud in his eyes. He tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is interpreted the apostles. And he washes, and then he can see. His neighbors and friends, they're excited about what's happened here. It's just it's hard for them to believe that this isn't this the one. Isn't this the one who used to beg? And some said, yeah, that's him. And others said, well, it looks like him. But we're not sure because this man was blind, and now, now he can see. And so they rush him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees begin to question him. How did this happen? He told them the story. And um, they did not believe it. They said, this man is a sinner. We know he didn't heal you because he's a sinner. He just did this work on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. So we know he's a sinner. Of course, this man is, is, he said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. He said, but he healed my eyes. And they said, no, 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 no. You give glory to God. And what they're referring to, because they have not come along in prophetic revelation, they haven't come with the preceding word, and, and then finally they tell Jesus, we, we believe, or told this man, we believe in Moses and we believe in the law. And they haven't come along, and they cannot receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And so they're, they're telling him to do what they're doing, give glory to God in an ancient thing. Give glory to God in Moses. Give glory to God in the tabernacle. Give glory to God in the temple. But God has moved from there. And he's no longer in the tabernacle. And he's no longer in that temple that's made with hands. But rather he has another temple which he has come into. And he dwells among us in that temple. And, and so this man, though he doesn't understand who Jesus is, he knows what they're saying really isn't going to work for him. And so... And so by and by, they kick him completely out because they called him in a second time and said, now what really happened to you? And he said this to them, the Pharisees. He said, I told you one time already, and I'm not telling you again. You didn't believe it the first time? He said, why don't you believe it? There is no record in humanity of anyone healing the eyes of the blind. And here I stand, and I told you what happened in my eyes. All I know, folks, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. Let me tell you something about Jesus, though. The glory is not just going to float out in the air somewhere. When God does a thing, he does it for his glory. He didn't heal the blind man just out of compassion. He didn't heal him because he had had a bad life and just, you know, wanted to give him a break. He healed him that the glory of God might come back. That circular thing where God does something and the glory comes back to him. It doesn't just go out there somewhere. No, no, we're not just going to say, thank you, God, somewhere. But I'm going to direct this and I'm going to frame this in a way so that I know who healed me and I know who I'm going to praise for the healing in my life. He goes back to Jesus and, and Jesus says to him, after he had been kicked out, Jesus says to him, do you believe into the Son of God? 
And he said, I don't know who the Son of God is. He said, I'm talking to you, and I'm the one that you've seen, and I'm the one that healed you. And it said that the man then, that he said, I believe, and he began to worship the Lord Jesus. And he didn't worship just out there, worship God somewhere out there vaguely, but he pointed right at Jesus. He realized there was something about him that was personal savior, healer, deliverer in his life, and this is the glory of God. Not that we would say, oh God, thank you somewhere out there somewhere, but Jesus received the glory for the miracle and he doesn't ever turn it away. The Lord never turns away his glory. He says, no, no, I'm going to reflect it somewhere else. But the Lord receives all glory and honor and praise for what he has done. Can you say amen? I want to move on to Herod in the voice of, 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 voice of God. It says, Herod Antipas. He knew about the Hebrew religion very well. He knew about Christianity very well. We find in the book of Acts that he stretched forth his hand to afflict the church. And the first thing he did was cut off the pastor's head. He slew James with the sword. And he was afflicting the church. He knew who the God of the church was. And he knew who God of Israel, he knew about that. But he goes down to Tyre and Sidon and where they've had some issues and problems. And, and now to get in his favor, the town rose up and began to cry out. When he, after he had spoke, began to cry out, it's the voice of a God. This is not the voice of a man. This is the voice of a God. And Herod takes that praise to himself, knowing full well that man should never receive the glory of being a God. And it said the angel of the Lord smote him. I want to tell you this. I've heard introductions and salutations. We were talking about this the other day. Introductions that are lavished over men who call themselves bishops and apostles, call themselves big mega preachers, and I've heard things that I think is absolutely sickening. All the glory and praise, the man of God for the hour, the man that God speaks through, the man that's going to change everything in your life. Listen, I want to tell you something. You never take the glory of God. You don't share. God shares his glory with no one. Come on. He doesn't, he doesn't share his glory with preachers. He doesn't share his glory with apostles. He does not share his glory with bishops. He stands as Lord. The only one worthy of praise is our Lord Jesus Christ. Apostles are not worthy of praise. Bishops, preachers, Pastors are not worthy of praise. They're worthy of some honor in their place. But glory and praise goes to the Lord alone. He deserves it this morning. I don't deserve a praise. Jesus deserves a praise. And what they don't know when they receive that, 
the Lord. It's like David. He said to David, don't you know, David, you're the high and mighty king now, but I brought you out of the sheepfold. I brought you out of the dirty old pen that you were in. And I want you to know this this morning. Where we ever go to, if we ever get anywhere, the praise never goes to man. It always goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think even worse than the praise is those men receiving that glory. They have not followed the apostolic pattern. Peter went down to Cornelius. And when he got there, Cornelius fell before him and began to praise him as man of God. Do you know what Peter did? Peter said, you get up from there. You get up from there. We're men just like you are. And then later he wrote this. He said, to, the, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be the glory both now and into the day of eternity. See, this is the apostolic attitude. Praise doesn't go to me. You get up from there. I can remember Paul traveling. They fell down from you. Get up out of there. I'm just a man, but I want to introduce you to the one who deserves the praise this morning. He, he deserves the glory. I've done nothing in my life to be saved. I have not earned anything, but Jesus Christ has redeemed me from the power of darkness and sin, not by what I've done, but by what he has done. He has rose victorious. He has rose from death hell and the grave and has all power and dominion in his hand. He is worthy of glory this morning. Ten lepers were cleansed. Jesus passing by a leper colony. We don't know much about leprosy now. It's not something that afflicts I think there's still some cases in, in Africa and places, but we don't have that disease here, so we don't, we don't reckon with it very much. But leprosy was a death sentence. You got leprosy, there was no coming back. It didn't get better. It got worse. But to the Lord, who is worthy of glory and honor, Leprosy is no different than a headache. Just at his word. At his word, he can heal in a moment's time. Can you say amen? We got some people who are fighting some things in their body, but I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter who said what and what doctor did what and said what. There's one who can walk by the colony this morning and say, listen, Listen, I'm changing the thing for you this morning. I'm, I'm changing your life all around that, that what you had and what was a death sentence in your life. What I'm going to do is turn that around this morning and cleanse you. All you need to do is get up and, and go into the house of God and, and give glory to God this morning. And so ten men who were lepers, they, they were dying. They were sitting apart from everybody in a leper colony. And Jesus says to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And on their way, wow, on their way they look down and it's gone. Maybe been on their hands, maybe been on a part that was exposed they could see, maybe their face. 
And one of them probably looked at the other one and said, hey, how do I look? Look, that leprosy's gone off of you. Fresh, new skin is there where the leprosy has eaten it away. And the one man, the one man, something clicked in his spirit. And I bring it to revelation because not everybody receives a revelation. Because you're going to have to dial in to receive a revelation. You can, you can sit and hear it. You can go to church all your life. That doesn't mean you're going to get the revelation of who Jesus is. But this man, and what I like about this, and I hadn't really seen it before, was that this man suddenly realized something. I believe the other nine thanked God. I do. I believe they went and thanked God. I believe they went down to the priest, like Jesus had told them, and there they probably gave a sacrifice or an offering or a thanks to God. I believe they did. But see, the Lord has moved to another avenue. The Lord has moved to another location. And this one man figured it out out of ten. Just one figured it out. He didn't end up down at the priest. He didn't end up down at the temple. He ended up at the glory of God in Christ Jesus. See, he was the one that came back. The others went down to an old thing, and he went up to a new thing. God has traveled on. He's no longer living in houses and temples of man. I'm going to go where God is this morning. I'm going to go to the man, Christ Jesus. That's where God is. And he goes back to him. And let me read this to you because... Because this is, this is interesting the way that it's framed in the Greek. It says, and, and one of them, seeing that he was cured, returned with a great loud voice, glorifying God, and fell upon his face at the feet of him. He came glorifying God with a great voice and fell at the feet of him. That's a continued sentence. He didn't come glorifying God back there and falling at the feet of Jesus. He came glorifying God and fell at his feet because he realized there was something about him and he began to think and the direction was not to God somewhere. It wasn't God down at the temple. It was God in Christ Jesus. The end of the verse said, and he was thanking him. Thanking who? He was thanking the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he got a revelation that God wasn't down there, that God was back here, and he went to Jesus, and all glory and honor and praise goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's an amazing thing. Because this man not only received a healing, he received a revelation in his life that would ever change his outlook in life. Never did Jesus refuse anyone who ended up at his feet worshiping. The apostles did. And I recommend it for you. But when they came to Jesus and they got at his feet, he didn't turn them away. He said, no, no, don't, don't worship me. Worship God. Don't worship me. No, he took the worship. Because, listen, not only the people were worshiping him, but at that time all the angels in heaven were also worshiping him. 
Because when God brought him into the habitable world, he told the angels of heaven, now worship him. And so all worship began to start right there. All glory started right there. They looked down on him, the little Christ child. And from then on, all worship and glory and honor goes to him. Can the church say amen? Amen, amen. I'm going to close down. We might get out a couple minutes early. And so for all of you that are really hungry, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good, good encouragement. So some years ago, and I say this, probably some of you heard me talk about this, but it made an impression in my life. I got in connection with a man, and it doesn't really matter how, but I got in connection with a man who is big, large in the gospel music industry, um, a singer, songwriter, preacher, I think had pastored and preached all over the country, and uh, we were conversing. I had met him. I had been in his home. We're conversing over the Internet, and uh, when I first got in contact with him, I began to talk about that one God that we serve, and he was so excited. He said, we too. Oh, he was, he was really, really excited that I, I, I was worshiping that one Lord. And, and uh, so he began to write back and forth to me. And then, but I began to realize some things are not exactly right. He's having some issues with the person of Jesus Christ. He's having, he really doesn't believe in the virgin birth. He really doesn't believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. <clears throat> I'm drawing some blanks on that. We're not of the same faith. Well, but he wanted to talk about God and God being one and overall and then, but wait a minute. <clears throat> you might have some theological points that sound right. But if you mess up on Jesus, you have messed up on eternal life. You've messed up on salvation. And so we're, I, I just felt compelled to, to write back to him. Dear sir, I, I believe that you are shipwrecked in the faith. You've come to a place where you no longer believe that Jesus Christ is who he is. And that was the end of our conversations. He said, I won't, I'll put this into record. My secretary will keep it. And I quickly said, and my secretary will keep what you wrote me, which was K, I guess. And we parted ways. But his former faith in Christ Jesus. And then just right after that, he come out with some books. One of them is Give Glory to God. And another one is, is titled, The Father is the Only One True God. And then he went on an apology tour. I don't like apology tours. Their president, two presidents ago, their president went on an apology tour. 
of the U.S. and we're sorry for everything we've done in the world and we're sorry we shouldn't be, you know, dominating. We shouldn't be doing anything. We should just be sitting there and let the communists take us over. And you apologize and apologize to everybody. Well, this brother went on an apology tour. For 50 years, I've been wrong about Jesus. And I said, uh-oh. No, for 50 years, he was right about Jesus. And something got in him that turned him into a, into a heretical doctrine. Because now, if you leave Christ... You have left Christianity. I'm sorry. You can just break the title of Christianity down real quick if you want to. It's little followers of Christ. And when you leave him, you have left the Christian faith. Can everybody say amen to that? I mean, that's still pretty easy to say. When you leave off Christ and he's lesser than what the Scripture says he is, then I would say, you know, I feel bad. I don't know what to tell the person. But I would say when you leave Jesus, you've left the fold. You've left the church. You've left the gospel. And I hope that somewhere down the line you'll do another apology tour that I apologize that I ever tried to bring Jesus down out of his place. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. And so Hebrews, the first chapter and third verse is part of it says, who being the effulgence of the glory. And that word there, effulgence, it really is, they, they call it the radiance. But it's the Greek word apogosma, which it means apo from anagosma, which means to shine forth. So let me read it this way. Jesus is the source from which the glory of God radiates. He's the source. Somebody said, no, he's the mirror. He's not the mirror. He's the source. Somebody said, he's the reflection. He just reflects God. He's just an ambassador that God said, no, no, no. He's God in the flesh. He is the glory of God. If you want to know God's glory, it's Jesus Christ the righteous. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, give Jesus Christ, our Lord God, Savior, all the glory into the ages. Amen. Well, how are we going to do that? So I'm going to close with this. Number one, how do you give God glory? You walk worthy of his name. And I don't, you know, a lot of times get down to saying just exact things because people get all upset I'm picking on their their little idol <laughs> I don't want to do that this morning but just what I want to tell you is that that walking worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ I made a statement last week and I don't know if you caught that or not if they can't tell the difference between you and the world something's wrong they're not the light of the world you are they're walking in darkness, you're not. Walk worthy of the calling. And so what does that mean, Pastor? That means that you can't hang out with what they're doing. You can't hang out with who they are. You can't hang out the places that they're frequenting 
that are not good for a Christian testimony. Hello. And when they're passing the beer around on the job on Friday night, you're just kindly saying, no, I don't drink. And you're going to get the answer, or they're going to question you, why don't you drink? Now you give them the answer. Because I give my life to Jesus Christ, and he gets glory in my life living right. And so I'm going to live right and walk right to worthy of the calling of being a Christian man or a woman. Secondly, I'm going to tell the glory of God to my children. It's imperative that you pass the glory of God to your kids. They need to know it. They've got to know it. They can't learn it down at church. They can't learn it at school for sure. The government's not going to tell them. You have to tell them that Jesus Christ is the glory of God. You've got to tell them that serving Jesus is the way to live. Listen, this morning, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of people that say, man, I used to live it up and have a great time. And the children are listening to that and saying, boy, I can't wait until I'm 18. I'm going to have a good time. But I'll tell you this, children. I'll tell you this, young people. You'll never live a better life. More fulfilled, more joy, more happiness, more contentment, more fulfillment in your life than serving the Lord Jesus Christ and giving Him all the glory in your life. And third, how do I give glory to God? Praise Him in testimony. I love it on a Wednesday night. We come in here, and I don't care if we have specifically prayed over a need or not, but something happened in your life. Something good happened in your life. There was, a, there was a rearranging of some things. There was a healing in your body. And what do you do? You come in here and you give glory where? To coincidence, happenstance, to the doctor. Okay, we like doctors. But I give glory to God. Every good thing in my life, I give glory to God. Because he deserves it. Can you say Amen. I declare his name, and, and this is about the Lord himself. He said, I will declare your name in the church. That's what we're doing here this morning. We love each other, and we get out here before church and after church, shake hands, hug necks. We talk about duck hunting. We talk, I talk to brother, brother, uh, yeah, um, yes, this morning about golf. And, and then we, uh, you know, we're, we're going, doing this, working here and talking about those things, and that's all good. But we're not here to do that. We're here to declare the name of Jesus. We're here to lift him up. We're here to make his name higher. We're here to lift him to the apex of everything that we are and believe our faith in Christ Jesus. And then we are to sing to him songs of glory. I've got a poem to pick with songs that don't give him glory. Brother James, I just remembered your name. We used to sing, I'm running for my life. I'm running for my life. And man, people, pretty soon, man, they're running, they're going around. Hey, Ted, time out. I don't know that that's a song about the Lord. I'm going to march all around that city. Wait, wait, that, okay. But what I'm talking about this morning is giving glory to God. Not to what I'm going to do and what I'm about. I mean, some old songs are fine and, you know, they all set in their place. But we come in here and I'm very particular. Rodney will say to me, man, I found a song. He said, Dad, listen to this. He'll punch in playing, 
Boy, you can tell, you can feel the presence of God. You can hear him begin to be lifted up. You can hear him begin to be magnified in a song. And why don't we not do some songs because it magnifies the flesh? Why don't we bring a lot of people in here to sing and and do a performance because it magnifies the flesh? We're not here on the 25th to do something that's going to magnify the flesh. We're here to bust open the glory of God so that people can see, listen, these kids love the Lord. These kids want to serve him. These kids Give him glory and honor and praise, and that's what we're about. Amen. Have I preached long enough? Everybody say amen. Okay. Man, I got you there. I got you there. And that was that was a few that were just kind of waking up and say, Hey, we said amen. Say amen. Do you got just a couple minutes? Can you put Psalm 150 up on the on the board? I want to transpose something in here. We know who the Lord is, don't we? We know His name. Who is the Lord? The Lord is strong and mighty, but now we have His name. See, they didn't in Psalms 150. They just said the Lord. Well, we're going to transpose it this morning because we know who the Lord is. The Lord is Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. Remember that? Oh, here we go. Praise ye the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God in a sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Verse 3, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. We don't have any trumpets, but I wish we did. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. We don't have a harp, but we've got guitars, and we can play them like a harp. And praise him with the timbrel and the dance. We don't have any tambourines, but we do have some cymbals, and we do have a dance in our feet this morning. And praise him with string instruments and organs. And, and praise him upon the loud cymbals. And praise him on the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything in the house that have breath Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of all glory, all honor, all praise, all power, all dominion. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his saints. Bless him. Bless him. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I need to get some musicians up here, and we're going to sing a little something as we close. But we're going to give him glory. We're going to give him glory. It does my heart good to give God glory. I may be feeling down a little bit. Have you ever been feeling down just a little, and, and then you just begin to give God glory? Lord Jesus. Man, I know I got a flat tire on the car, and it's 110 degrees. I know that, but... But, Lord, you've been so good to me. You have blessed me so much, Lord. To you goes all the glory and praise. I've got a little problem in the home. and, and But, Lord, you've been so faithful. I know you're going to see us through it, Lord. we got some challenges in our body. But, Lord, you've been the healer. You've been the glory and the lifter of my head. Lord, I know. God, my face says that you're going to bring me through it, Lord. Every test and every trial. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. 